You're listening to the Sewing and Growing podcast and radio show with Jay and Jay. Welcome everyone, and I have a confession to make. I have cold feet right now. Not to do this podcast. <laughs> I actually have cold feet. The weather's getting colder, and it's my fault that I have cold feet. And I want to say this. I have many shoes that I can't really wear in the summer because I have bad feet sweat. Do you ever deal with feet sweat in the summer? Mm. Your feet smell, man. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> I've been around some of your shoes when your feet aren't in them. They smell. So that that comes you. from sweat. It, it does. I went from being you. vulnerable for myself to calling you now out. Everybody who sees me is going to take an extra whiff of my feet. No, you, you manage it well. I feel like you have foot spray that you put in your shoes. Yeah, I do. My feet tend to sweat. So I have shoes that I should only wear in the fall and the winter. But right now I'm wearing a summer pair of shoes. And honestly, I don't even know if he's trying to look at my shoes right now and I'm <laughs> concealing them behind you the table. Are some ultra lone peaks? No, what? I'm not. I'm actually wearing a footwear that people might say, that's not workplace footwear. I'm wearing Crocs. Now, when you think of Crocs, you think of the sport mode ones you slip in. But I actually have a pair of Croc shoes. Wow. They're rubber, but they're full of holes. So my feet mm. are freezing. I would have never have guessed those were Crocs. So let me tell you the reason why I have these. And this is just our intro. I am against Crocs. I I give people a hard time who buy Crocs. They're actually pretty comfortable. They're back in. They weren't in for a while, but they're back in. They have been for the past few years. But I started pursuing my wife and she really liked Crocs. And I had a big history of being against Crocs. Mm. So I wanted to get in with my wife a little bit better before she was my wife. And I said, I'm going to get a pair of Crocs. And I got a pair of actual shoes that are crocs does that pass her test did she actually recommended i oh. get these you know there's Man, an older like movie called idiocracy have you ever seen that movie and it's about i can't remember who's in it it's not super old um it's about like the future um if you ever seen like wally that uh, like uh, people are just like really obese and just sitting around in these chairs and they just get flown around everywhere it's kind of like that just like what's going to be the future of america and the maker of the movie, the director is like, I need a really stupid shoe for the people in the future to wear. And Crocs hadn't come out yet, but like it was still, they were being developed. And he, he saw like, I don't know if it was an advertisement or what, but he's like, this is the stupidest shoe I've ever seen. So we bought hundreds and hundreds of pairs of these Crocs to put on the people's feet to show how stupid people were in the future. <laughs> and then Crocs like blew up. And now you get gibbets with your Crocs <laughs> where you stick, you stick the little... them in. My sister has llama gibbets. My sister? My daughter. <laughs> Not my sister. I don't think she owns a pair of Crocs. That's funny. Oh, uh, man. Well, I no longer have cold feet. My feet are warming up upstairs yeah. in this upper room, and I'm excited to hear what you they, have. Yeah, uh, dryer sheets in the shoes. Those work. Ooh, that sounds good. Yep, yep. I need to do that. All right. Thank you. The downy dryer sheets. All right. Let's talk. How much time we got? I think this is going to be a short one. Usually I have like four, five, six pages of notes. I got two pages of notes. <laughs> so we're going to talk about sowing seeds of peace today. And I think that it's a good it's a good conversation to have no matter what season of life you're in. Uh, but right now there's a lot of things going on in the world and people are opinionated about it. Even just before this podcast, we were talking about it. Stuff that's going on and where you, what, what side do you land on? And I think that we always got to remember that no matter what's going on and no matter our personal opinion about something, we are citizens of the kingdom of heaven first and we abide by those policies and what we find in scripture. And scripture is very clear about us being peacemakers. Um, 
And it's hard sometimes to draw that line, um, especially like I just said, when your emotions are so wrapped up in something. Because a lot of times the word is going to go against what you are emotionally feeling. And that's why we are to be spirit-led and not soul-led and led by our emotions. Um, so despite how we feel about things, um, we are called to be peacemakers. I so. would say this, always be on the side of truth. And I know yeah. whenever there's conflict, there's normally two sides that we see. Yeah. But something my wife reminds me of often is there's always three sides. His side, her side, and then the God's. truth. Oh, the truth. Somewhere <laughs> the in the truth. middle. Yeah. Which is usually in the middle. I wouldn't say the word of God is normally middle ground. It's a lot of times there isn't gray. There's actually more gray in the word of God than... I once thought that when I read through it, there's things you have to figure out by the spirit of God. We talked about this with your podcast on worship to follow the spirit, not just the letter. The letter will kill, but the spirit will give life. But to be on the side of the word of God in every scenario and to be on the side of the word of God, you got to know the word of God. You got to know how to rightly divide it. And I think you rightly divide the word of God with more of the word of God. So that's something I don't need to have opinions on as many things as I have opinions on. I think that's becoming more my default when people say, hey, what do you think about that? Right. A lot of times I respond, don't have a strong opinion one way mm -hmm. or another. Yeah, and we got to be careful about trying to use the Word of God to justify our, or, or what we try and do is we, we interpret the Word in a way that validates our opinion. That's where rightly dividing yeah. the Word of God comes yeah. into play. And, it, the, you know, the, the, the Word of God is a sword, you know, it's a weapon. But we weaponize it a lot in in the wrong way. It's a weapon against, or it's a weapon specifically for dividing, rightfully dividing right from wrong, good from evil, intentions of the heart. But we use it as a weapon against somebody else to say, this is why my opinion is right, because the Bible says so. Maybe it's better to look at it this way. Again, for sure, the word of God's a weapon. It's a sword. But it's a weapon against the enemy. Yes. But when we're using it with... Another person, it's a scalpel, like a medical tool. Right. So if we use it in an improper way, it's like taking a butter knife yeah. and trying to cut out what right. the enemy's done. That's not good. No, it's But not. if we use the word of God, speaking it by the spirit of God in love, it's like having a scalpel. Right. And it cuts out what the enemy's done, and it causes yeah. as little amount of, I don't want to say difficulty, but angst, yeah. worry, frustration you know the gambit of yeah, emotions that are not gambit. always beneficial that's a great word gambit keep going man um yeah when we weaponize it against somebody else just to prove a point it's not a scalpel anymore it's a blunt object and you ever heard the third the, the, the it's the term? back side of the axe yeah the uh, bible thumper a lot of times that's just for somebody who's really in the word but you could thump someone with that bible it becomes a blunt object that just causes some trauma I think I've mentioned this on the podcast, but when I was 12 years old, my father put me in a ice hockey goalie school with an old goalie coach named Dino. And Dino, Dino was an Italian guy who had a Bible radio show at the time, kind of like someone and growing, except he apparently felt comfortable to cuss explicitly <laughs> on his Bible radio show. And one thing he would say in... The coaching lessons is if you did something wrong, he'd say, I'm going to freeze a Bible and beat you with it. 
You don't want to freeze no. a Bible and beat no. somebody with it. So that's be wise. Fill in a sock full of quarters and beat with it. <laughs> All right, pillowcase full of. We're soap. going downhill on this yeah, podcast. Quit. Let's talk about seeds of peace. Oh man! So I think this will be more of a pep talk today. Hopefully, you know, if you're listening to this, this isn't brand new revelation. If it is, that's great. Um, and hopefully, you start abiding by it. So sowing seeds of peace, uh, foundational text that we're going to be using today is James 3.18. I'm reading in the New Living. It says this, and those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. So question I want to ask you today is what what are you sowing? Um, you know, don't, don't care if you're working in an office or in the oil field, but everybody's called to be a farmer spiritually. Okay. You're in a constant cycle of sowing and reaping. Um, and really you can't stop it because it's a law that God put into place, whatever man sows, he's going to reap. You see it in nature. You see it pretty much in any type of scenario. Sowing and reaping is a law that was put in place by God that really cannot be stopped, right? Seed time and harvest are not going to cease. Um, so what God puts in place, you know, stays. And so, um, it's a simple law that God put in place that basically says, whatever I plant in my life with my deeds, with my thoughts, with my words, I will eventually reap a harvest of that same thing. So like I said, you can't choose to stop sowing, but you can, you can really choose what you sow. And that's what we're talking about today. And as a Christian, you are called to sow seeds of peace. So, you know, there's a bunch of personality types. You can take a bunch of different tests. Um, there's a popular one that somewhat controversial sometimes, but just for the sake of the analogy, I'm going to, I'm going to talk about it. The, you know, the Enneagram, um, a lot of people want to find out what they are because they think it's going to help with relationships. And it does to a degree. Mm-hmm. Um, you might determine like you might be an eight. I, I've been called an eight a few times and an eight is a challenger. Um, so you might be wondering what personality you type you are. And I think if God were to part the heavens and speak to you audibly, he'd tell you you're a number nine, um, which is a peacemaker. <laughs> so, um, not that I think I'm not trying to tell y'all that God's endorsing the Enneagram test. It's just a, it's just a funny example because the nine is a peacemaker. So that's what we're called to be. Hebrews 12, 14 says to pursue peace with all men. Matthew 5, 9, blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called sons of God. That's, that's a pretty wild statement too. He's, you want, you think that you're a child of God. Uh, you're not so in peace, man. I mean, looking at this scripture face value, the peacemakers are the sons of God. And that really talks about the life of God that's in you, because if it's truly in you, there's going to be a desire to start sowing seeds of peace. I'm just thinking that the kingdom of God is three things. One of those things is peace. Peace. So if you're exemplifying and demonstrating the kingdom in this world, one of the outflows of your life is going to be peace. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost, which righteousness and peace are directly tied. James 318, right? Sowing seeds of peace reaps a harvest of righteousness. So you can't really have righteousness without that foundation, that seed being sown in peace. So blessed are the peacemakers, they shall be called sons of God. First Timothy 2, 2. I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people, ask God to help them intercede on their behalf. So notice the emphasis on all. Well, he didn't really emphasize it, but he used the word all. All in the Greek is means all it means all all people even your enemies right um and give thanks for them pray this way for kings and all who are in authority so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity so every encounter that we have with someone we are 
sowing seeds into their lives and into our lives. So we need to be careful with our words. We need to be careful with our actions because ultimately the harvest is going to come forth on that. And you think you're, you've, if you've been having some bad harvest lately, you might want to be checking your seed. That's true. And I know sometimes we think, okay, peaceful words, but I'll tell you some of the most anxious moments I have in interacting with people is when they say something peaceful, but they're a, body language and the way they're coming across is completely opposite. That can throw me in an anxious tailspin because I say, your mouth is saying one thing, but who you are as a person is saying something completely different. And I think really all of this comes from the outflow of what God in Christ through the Holy Spirit has done inside of you. Because having been justified, justified justified by faith with God, you now have peace with God and the peace of God. So it yeah. starts to flow from you yeah. in your body language and your words. Yeah. yeah. What's it like over half of communication is nonverbal. Some people say 70. I don't think it's that high. But I always like to say over half. Over half is totally safe. And I completely agree with that. <laughs> I'm John Piccinati and I endorse that. He message. endorses this. So here's another, <laughs> here's another basic uh, principle in life. You can't, you can't give something to someone that you don't have. So if you don't have peace, you can't sow peace. So if on the inside there's a bunch of turmoil and hate and bitterness, well, that's what you're going to sow. Um, James 3.18 is really talking about making peace with one another, man to man. But you can't really have that peace without first having peace with God. Um, so this is the good news. You know, if Jesus is your Lord, then you do have peace with God. And that peace really is now in your heart. So even if you're an eight on the Enneagram, you <laughs> she's chuckling. Um I'm not. I'm a six, which is You're the most six. common type across all humanity. It's the right. loyalist. There you go. Even if you're an eight on the Enneagram, it is in you to be peaceful if you are a child of God. You may get into this, but the difference, I believe, between peacekeeping and peacemaking, peacekeeping, you'll go towards comfortability to not do anything to keep mm-hmm. the peace. Peacemaking, you often have to enter into temporary conflict yeah. to create peace. Yes. And maybe no one is better qualified or has a better natural disposition to go into conflict than an eight. <laughs> so therefore, you can help make peace go. maybe better than anyone else. Yeah. Yeah, and keep peacing. I, I keep peacing. Peacekeeping. Keep peacing. <laughs> keep on peacing, brother. <laughs> right on. Um, man, I just lost my. We just had Matthew McConaughey yeah. on the podcast right there. Yeah, peacekeeping. Like you, like you said, there's two elements of it because there's sometimes when to keep the peace, you are not going to share what emotionally is being stirred up in you at the time. And that's called wisdom and that's called love. But there are people who will just avoid conflict in general. And you think, well, I'll be hurting the situation more if I confront this. But really, you're hurting it a lot by not. Um, I didn't, I'm not, I wasn't i not going to get into that. So if you got more on that, you can totally talk. I think what I said was pretty good. Yeah, well, <laughs> it was pretty good. <laughs> that sounds so, really arrogant. <laughs> yeah, no matter what you are on the uh, Enneagram, it's in you to, to be peaceful. But just because you're a Christian doesn't really automatically mean you have peace with everyone. You you really have to work on it. That's the peacemaking aspect, um, which will sometimes involve conflict. So any farmer knows that when you plant something, it doesn't just grow on its own. You have to cultivate the ground, then you plant it, you water it, you fertilize it, you pull the weeds, you prune. And if you're a Christian farmer, you pray over it. You pray over to harvest. So when we encounter others, we need to work at cultivating 
peace. So what do you do? You listen, you show kindness, you avoid fruitless arguments. Not You don't just avoid argument. There's some things that you, like you said, you gotta, you gotta involve yourself in, you gotta engage in, but you gotta understand what's a fruitless argument and what can be something that actually bears fruit. Harvest of righteousness. We're looking for a harvest. Yeah. So when we encounter others, we work on cultivating peace. So let's talk about Proverbs 6, 16 um, through 19. It's a bunch of stuff the Lord does not like. Actually, he hates them. These six six things the Lord hates. Yes, seven. Oh, he added one more. <laughs> Are an abomination to him. Him is capitalized here. He's talking about the Lord. 17, a proud look a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift in running to evil, a false witness who speaks lies, and one who sows, sows discord among the brethren. So it's interesting, you know, some of these are like, absolutely, man, innocent blood. Like, of course, God hates that. Um, but then he goes on to say, sowing, sowing discord, just being a, being a pot stirrer. Uh-oh. <laughs> it's getting awfully quiet in here. There's only two of us in here. <laughs> but God, he really hates a troublemaker. God hates discord. Um, yet we we do it all the time. And this is funny because we pray for righteousness in our nation. Um, you know, we pray it all the time. We say, you know, we want righteousness to prevail, but the only environment that righteousness grows in and flourishes in is an environment of peace. Yet we're sowing discord all the time, yet praying for praying for righteousness. So, you know, on social media, I mean, it's just really counterproductive to pray for righteousness and then sow seeds of turmoil. So on so, social so, so, so media, <laughs> glory. I was going to say it's early, but we're actually recording this a little bit later, so I don't have an excuse. We, <laughs> you know, we post divisive comments, opinions, and I, guilty. You know what I, we know what I, it's a, I want it, I don't want to call it a guilty pleasure, but it's a habit that I get in, especially on social media. It'll be like a sports post, and it's like, name a top five lineup that could beat Michael Jordan in his prime, and then people will post, and I'm like, that's absolutely wrong. That person could not defeat Jordan. I have been on Facebook, you see and you com- know you see how when somebody you follow <laughs> comments, it'll Yeah, it'll it like bring you, it up. And then I get on it, I'm like, oh, he responded. Oh, then they responded. Oh, yeah. then he responded, and then this person put a gif in there. Yeah. <laughs> That happened to me when the Avs took the cup and people were talking about how malicious. It helped. It, it helped. Yeah, it helped. It, it happened <laughs> recently when it was ranking certain players on NHL 24 and oh, they're, yeah. they're standing and you're like, really? I said, and then somebody from- better than dry saddle. And some guy was like, one dude Hold lost your horses. It. He was like, oh my God. And I was like, it's just an opinion. <laughs> Guerrilla warfare on social media. Yeah. Go in, say something, and back out real quick. <laughs> I actually was trying to avoid a fruitless argument. I was like, this ain't going to do too much. So I stopped. But there's been times I've engaged, especially two years ago when the avalanche took the cup, man. I wrote some longer replies to people on the internet. Engagement is good. I need to engage more. I was going to put something in that really isn't that big of a deal, but it's just going to be funny. I was going to say, unpopular opinion, Qdoba is way better than Chipotle. And I feel that. I actually really like it. You get free <laughs> queso. Their queso is better. You get free yeah. guacamole. It's better. Their chips are better. I'm a huge fan. Their reward system, you get free meals all the time. 
I'm all in on Qdoba. I don't have Chipotle enough to have an opinion. I think Chipotle has a better brand, like branding. And They're both Colorado businesses. strategy. They both started in Colorado. So just if you were to say you want to go to Chipotle or Qdoba, I'd probably say Chipotle. But I don't dislike either, but I don't think either are that great. I'm a huge fan of Qdoba right now, but this is not the Qdoba podcast. We've already gone down the dry sidle train, <laughs> the Qdoba train, yeah. the burrito train. Let's get back <laughs> to your train, my man. Yeah. So again, just kind of talking about the thing I'm guilty of, posting divisive comments and opinions, and we get into political debates. Um, I mean, and one way that helps me sleep better at night is that some of these arguments I'm getting in are kind of things that don't matter a whole lot, but that's just me trying to justify bad behavior. So I got to stop it. And I'm glad I'm, I'm glad I'm doing this podcast because it's kind of reminded me to maybe ch- pump the brakes a little bit on, uh, if Ray Allen is a better three point shooter than Steph Curry. All right. <laughs> Which he's not. But. All right. <laughs> so, you know, I think it's a, uh, I don't have it written down. Um, thank you, Jesus, for helping me. I think it's Second Corinthians something. The love of God compels us. So there's a few different ways to translate it. There's constrain or compel. And, you know, you read in the context of the verse, I think he's really talking about how that's what really unifies us together. But there's a, there a couple of ways we can interpret them, and I think that they're all correct. So the, the love of God is what unifies us. The love of God is, is what compels us. So it's the motivation for what we do. But it also translations say constrain, and constrain means to hold back. And when the love of God is on the inside of you, you will be compelled to constrain. Honestly, the Holy Spirit leads me in that direction more than yes. he leads me to share. Yeah. Um, he'll help you say and not say more more often than not, what you want to say out of an emotional state. Be quick to listen, slow to speak. Come on. Slow to wrath, for the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness Righteousness. of God. There it is. Man, you're tying it together. So it actually constrains us. Um, So the word constrain means to contain or restrict. So if the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit, he's not just in there to, to make you feel good. He's actually guiding you, constraining you on what not to say or do certain things. It's actually an act of love and an act of peace to not give your opinion every single time, especially if it's going to stir up trouble and an argument. So this idea of speaking the truth in love, and we've talked about this. Just for now. Yeah. Speaking the truth in love is really not a license to say whatever you want and then putting that little catchphrase at the bot at the well, you know, I'm remember I'm the doing koala this in love. tree stickers that everyone used <laughs> yeah. to put everywhere with the yes. koala with the headdress on that Dude, they would that, slap like on if it? you go skiing at sunlight, especially if you're if you're on the Segundo lift, you're gonna find that, some that koala tree little, stickers. That gets a few more stickers than Primo. Okay. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> the, the, but that's the way I picture speaking the truth of love. You just lambaste somebody and then you stick a nice koala tree love sticker of yeah. the word of God. Say, on. But hey, it's it was okay. on love. See, on top of everything I just did, I put that. Right. It's love. So again, there's multiple meanings to a lot of this stuff. You know, it's cool. So you can be reading the, the same book for 50 years and get new revelation on it every single day. And that's the beautiful thing about the word of God. But um, sometimes speaking the truth in love will require you to engage in conflict. So saying out of love, because I love you, I will say something that's going to make you uncomfortable. But really, we talk about how we can just say what we want. It's like, man, I'm going to tell them how I really feel because I'm supposed to speak the truth, but it, it'll be in love. 
trust me, it'll be in love. Not really. I think speaking the truth in love really is permission to speak the truth of God's word in your life or over other people's lives. So you got to find out what the word of God says about a situation and speak that. Speak it. And I, this is a good barometer for me. Am I speaking the truth in love? Is he, do I really love these people when I'm bringing conflict? And this has helped me, and it's helped me go to the Lord more than I go to people. Is I can't let my opinion go farther than my prayers do. So yeah. if I haven't prayed for that person, I can keep my opinions out of it. Yeah, Because that means I don't care for them enough to pray right. for them, then I shouldn't care enough to give my opinion to them. Yeah, yeah, That'll slow your horses down. That'll constrain you. I'll pump the brakes. And hopefully, in, hopefully, pumping the brakes and cutting the brakes. Oh, total difference. And hopefully, you don't have a whole lot of air in your brake system because then you can pump them and nothing's happening. You got to bleed the brakes. <laughs> then you're gonna hit. The, then you're gonna pump yeah. the brakes. You gotta, you gotta get those air bubbles up. That's for sure. Well, those are basically my thoughts on sowing seeds of peace. Um, you know, I, I, I wrestled with this podcast a little bit, not before I did it, because I didn't think I was going to be convicted about uh, some of my opinions on social media, but it's a really great, um, it's a great reminder. And hopefully you were reminded too as well, especially in the current situation that we're in. We, you know, we're moving in on an election year. There's, there's conflict going on throughout the world and people are very opinionated and I'll be pumping gas and hear people, you know, on pump number three, talking about something pretty heated because everybody's got an opinion. It's true. And there's a lot of confusion about all of it. Yeah. People are confused. They're distraught. And it brings me back to something that was brought to the Corinthian church through the Holy Spirit and the Apostle Paul. People were praying in tongues. We're a spirit-filled church. We do that. And he said, God's not the author of confusion, <laughs> right. but of peace, as yeah. in all the churches. The people of God and the house of God should be releasing peace into the earth more than any group on this earth. Yeah. So let's become skilled at being not Johnny Appleseed, but Johnny Peace Seed going out <laughs> and tossing peace across this country <laughs> and allowing them to grow up into a nice harvest of righteousness. Amen. Yeah. So let's, I'll just go into wisdom of the day because I. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just thinking what you told me or what you just said reminded me of the thing that I wanted to leave people with is that the only ground, the only soil that righteousness can flourish in is soil and seed or, you know, or am I saying that right? Well, it's peace, peaceful ground, peaceful seeds, atmosphere of peace, which we're just talking about the counterproductive nature of praying for righteousness yet being a part of the problem in sowing seeds of discord. Try growing stuff in soil that's way too acidic or not yeah. peaceful. It doesn't have the right pH balance in the soil to bring about growth. So you need to plant seed, but your soil also needs to be peaceful if you want to yeah. see a harvest. Yep, yep. Maybe the seeds of peace is what transforms that ground into an atmosphere of peace. So they're powerful. Seeds wow. are words, right? The more you're sharing your wisdom, you're getting more revelation. <laughs> Good. I need it. <laughs> my takeaway based uh, it's based off something you said about the Enneagram I believe some people have certain bends and they're more confrontational they don't see them as peacekeepers which may be what came out peacekeeping that's not necessary but you will make peace if you allow the Holy Spirit to lead that confrontational bent you can lead groups because eights and more dominant people are leaders, you'll lead people into peace where other people 
aren't willing to take that step. So I just want to encourage people, and that's my wisdom for the day, that you need confrontation to make peace. Right. Because you won't break the pioneer ground out of the apathy, the confusion, the anger, the gossip to get into peace if you don't confront some things. Right. And you got to confront out of the right motivation, which is love. Because if you're confronting to get your point across or to prove that you're right, that's where the problem comes with innate. And you know you love someone and you have the motivation of love when you're willing to pray for them as much as you are willing Amen. to share your opinion. It's good. All right, y'all. So that's what we have today. I think this is the first time I've been under time in a couple of months. Um, but that's sowing seeds of peace. All right, let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. I thank you that we are all called to be peacemakers no matter whether we feel like it or not, no matter what the Enneagram says. I thank you that the peace of God is on the inside of us. We have peace with you, which means we can sow peace into somebody else and and be those who keep peace and make peace, Father God. And again, we're just praying. We are praying for righteousness to prevail in our country and throughout the world, Father God. And we don't want to be a part of the problem. We want to be a part of the solution. No matter how small of a scale it may seem, we're doing our part, Lord, to sow those seeds of peace in our daily encounters, whether it's with people in 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 the flesh or just behind the keyboard on the computer screen, Father God, that we would choose to sow those seeds. And you said that your word will not return to you void. And if your word says that if I'm diligent to sow a seed of peace, then I know um, that we will re- reap a harvest of righteousness. Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much. I encourage you, share what you took out of this podcast with somebody this week. Let them know. And when you do that, we were talking about peace. You're going to be sowing peace into someone else's life. And it helps us because it gets this message out. We'll have another message out next week on the Sowing and Growing Podcast with Jay and Jay.